Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Projects Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I'm happy to introduce my guest, Betty Aldworth. She's the Executive Director of SSDP, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, since 2014, where she's been leading this international student-based advocacy organization. Thank you for joining me on the show today, Betty. Bethany, I'm so excited that you guys are doing a podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being on. So uh, for those who don't know you, uh, let's learn more about you and your background and who you are and what you've been doing for the last few years and even, even before getting involved in cannabis. Sure. So I've been an activist and advocate for essentially my whole life. I organized my first action when I was 13 um, and have been marching and demonstrating and writing letters and advocating and lobbying and doing GOTV efforts um, ever since um, and even before that with my folks. So I have a long background in social change, um, both uh, as a hobby and a profession. Um, And then um, the first decade of my career I spent as a nonprofit volunteer leader. So you know, mobilizing other people, um, maximizing their efforts and making sure that uh, that folks who wanted to make a contribution in their communities were able to do so. Um, and after a decade of that work, uh, I was drawn into the cannabis industry, which I spent a handful of years in. So in 2009 my neighbor was opening up the second analytical testing lab in the country and uh, needed some help with like demolition and plumbing and runs to home depot i showed up my first day to help him temporarily while i was on a sabbatical by the end of the day i was uh, the i don't know vice president of community relations and business development or something like this <laughs> <laughs> and i will tell you i never made a single run to home depot um on behalf of, of that lab. Um, instead, I got really drawn into the work incredibly quickly. I understood immediately, as someone who had had to give up using cannabis myself because of the anxiety um, that uh, that was caused by cannabis in an unregulated, untested market, mm-hmm. um, I understood immediately the extraordinary benefits to having more information about this versatile and um, incredibly differentiated plant. And so, um, you know, between that uh, personal experience and then getting to meet a handful of patients who were just such um, bright and passionate and, um, you know, deeply compassionate and, and caring humans who are just trying to make the world a little bit better for themselves and people who were suffering like them, I really came to I really came to understand how important it was that we improve the state of medical marijuana 
even in those early years, way back in 2009. Um, so worked there for a little bit, did some advocacy for a handful of years, and then um, you know started to really understand the ways in which marijuana prohibition and the drug war writ large touched all of those issues that I had been working on for my entire life, whether it be environmentalism, social justice, racial justice, human rights, all of the things that I cared about were, you know, the drug war is just one of many, but probably the most important cudgel used against communities who are marginalized. Mm -hmm. And in particular, marijuana prohibition makes up of course, as every listener knows, makes up the bulk of that uh, cudgel. And so we were, you know, I, I was incredibly fortunate to be able to work on Amendment 64 as the primary spokesperson and um, advocacy director. I got to be one of the first people on television to tell the world that we had regulated uh, and taxed marijuana for the first time in modern history. So that was fantastic. Yeah. And, yeah, that was really cool. And then I got to go spend a year working for NCIA um, as deputy director, um, as you'll recall, Bethany, because uh, we overlapped for about a minute and a half yeah. uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> back in 2013. Um, and uh, uh, so I, I worked on developing the educational program that the NCIA staff um, who are still there, who worked on it with me at the end there, have turned into just such an extraordinary program. And I got to do a lot the communications work before Tyler before Taylor came on and uh, you know way back in the day when it was just me and Aaron um, we got to figure out what uh, the cannabis industry association should look like and and tried to build it as best as we could absolutely wow that's quite a journey definitely cutting your teeth on civic duty your your whole life is really inspiring to hear and I'm sure inspiring for other people as well um, and so now you're you're continuing to inspire people in your current role as executive director of Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Tell me tell me more about the present and your role there and what you've been doing and what's going on there. Sure. Well, let's start about role because that's such an interesting thing. I was thinking about it. There are probably a lot of CEOs or aspiring CEOs listening to this podcast. And, you know, being an executive director is very similar to being a CEO. You've got to keep an eye on the big picture, um, you know, the, the ways that it's being implemented and articulated within your organization, the people who are doing it, and are they getting the right support and you know, um, are, are, are things moving in the right direction and where are you going? How are you going to get there and how are you going to inspire and motivate the people to come along with you? All of those things are very similar. But I'm running a grassroots organization, which means that, and, and I shouldn't say running, I should say supporting because that's really what it comes down to. Um, at SSDP, we want to make sure that we are connecting students to the issues that are most urgent for them in their own communities, that we are, you know, really working to uh, empower them, give them the tools that they need to move uh, to move policies in their own communities based on what they feel needs moving. Um, so rather than enlisting everybody with, with a, a very specific goal, we've got a very specific goal of, at the end of the day, at some point, regulating all drugs uh, according to their harms and decriminalizing them so that no one is ever locked in a cage for, uh, for uh, drug use again. And so, like, that's great, but what are we going to do to get there? And helping students figure out how they want to get there is such a, a wonderful um, 
and uh, uh, you know, like interesting part of the work because there are there are many, many, many ways to go about doing that. So mm. we provide a platform for that change. We work on the broad scope of drug policy. That's going to include harm reduction for nightlife drugs as well as for um, highly stigmatized drugs like methamphetamine um, and opioids and others. Uh, we're working on psychedelic therapeutics um, along with our colleagues over at MAPS. We're working on cannabis policy reform with our friends at NCIA, um, DPA, MPP, um, and uh, MCBA and many other organizations. Many other and, acronyms. Yes, yeah, all, <laughs> all of the letters are in there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> and then we're also working on other uh, intersectional reforms, right? Because, like, as we all know, the drug war isn't just about drugs. It's about the ways that we criminalize people and divorce them from achieving their full potential. So it's things like, um, you know, criminal justice reform and other... Uh, you know, pieces of the work that we're doing. And in so doing, we are creating a leadership pipeline where young people are able to do really compelling and interesting work, develop leadership skills, and come out of college ready to lead a team, ready to, um, you know, do the work that is required of young leaders. And it's really incredibly um, inspiring to see that. I asked, somebody asked me yesterday, so how many alumni do you have? And I said, oh, we've got about 40,000. Um, but only about 500 or 1,000 of those are doing drug policy reform work now and, like, you know, doing that inspirational work in our field. And they laughed wow. at me. They said, oh, only 500 or 1,000? <laughs> yeah, that's still quite impressive, definitely. Yeah. yeah I, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's a fine, go on. Uh, we've And we've got these 40,000 community members who have come through the SSDP program who understand the arguments about making marijuana legal and regulated, about why marijuana prohibition is harmful, about all of these different things that we are talking about. They're learning about it in college. They might not go on to do drug policy reform. Maybe they're going to be elected sheriff. Maybe they're going to be... Um, you know, working in a corporation. But when that marijuana policy reform comes along in their community, they're going to be having conversations around the water cooler about why marijuana ought to be legal and regulated because they understand the arguments, they did the work with us, and they get it. That's fantastic. Wow, thanks for breaking that down. For those who aren't familiar with SSDP, it's an awesome organization that, as Betty said, is creating the leaders of the future in this kind of reform work. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come right back and talk with Betty some more about what's going on at SSDP. Please stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. 
Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you life yourself a joint The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. Uh, This is your host, Bethany, speaking with Betty Aldworth today at Students for Sensible Drug Policy. So back in the day, I went to University of Maryland College Park and after I left is when the SSDP program was kicked off there. So I missed it by just a couple years there. But that goes to show the SSDP since then, God, that was 18 years ago, it's now flourishing and has students all over the world in campuses friggin' everywhere. Can you tell me more about how you've expanded SSDP's reach and programs since you took on your role there in 2014, which was just a mere four, four and a half, five years ago? Yeah, four and a half years ago, um, I joined, I, I left NCIA and, and joined the team at SSDP. It was me, Stacia, Devin, and Drew. There were just three of us, or four of us at the time. And, um, you know, I, I saw a real opportunity to take this organization to the next level if we were to make a bit of an investment in staffing and providing, you know, um, more robust support to our student members. And so we hired a handful of additional um outreach coordinators they were called at the time so advisors on how to go about building a chapter and doing the community organizing and policy change and educational programming um, and uh, did some rearranging of roles a little bit and uh, and like very very quickly <laughs> expanded um, even more quickly than I had expected uh, being someone who's pretty accustomed to, to seeing growth happen in organizations but at the time we were um, on about 150 campuses, and we were um, engaging, I don't know, a couple thousand students a year uh, in four different countries. And it was obviously like a wonderful program for those people who engaged in it, and it produced some extraordinary leaders who are doing really cool stuff today, Um, and uh, we're not going to discount that at all. Um, That was really important, and also now uh, we have a much larger footprint. So this year... Uh, we will be in all 50 states and a handful of territories. Um, yeah, I know. Um, in 34 countries on every inhabited continent. That's we, wild. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. We are literally organizing students from Berkeley to Manila in the Philippines. And anyone who knows anything about drug policy knows that those are two entirely different contexts in which to do organizing. But we're, mm-hmm. you know... What we're ultimately doing is teaching young people how to do it themselves. And so, um, you know, it, it works no matter where you are. We'll engage about 
8,000 students in um, the programming itself, uh, who will also then educate countless tens of thousands on their own campuses and beyond. And we will be doing that from probably about three or 400 campuses this year. So it's quite, it's quite a bit of growth. Wow, congratulations. It sounds like that's more than double or or even more in some of those categories of campuses, students. Wow, that's fantastic. We've got a lot of powerful youth out there for the future. It's fantastic. So you were mentioning that your work at SSDP, it also includes harm reduction and, and other issues, not just cannabis. So Tell me more specifically about the cannabis movement work SSDP is doing. Sure, of course, I'd be delighted. So we will engage, our students will engage in about 300 policy change initiatives this year, maybe 250 policy change initiatives, depending on you know whether or not they are working in conjunction with each other at a state level. Um, in cannabis in particular, that'll, that'll make up about 60% of the work. That's going to include supporting um, uh, ballot initiatives in North Dakota, Utah, Michigan, and, of course, Initiative A2 in Missouri. Uh, We'll be doing phone banks, voter activation, youth GOTV, public engagement events, letters to the editor. It goes on and on and on and on. All of the things that you think about when you think about the public grassroots face of a campaign, we'll be doing in those places. We will uh, additionally be working in Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, Maryland, and other places where we might start to see some movement toward uh, adult use legalization through the legislature. I'll note that particularly in Connecticut, well, in all of those states, actually, SSDP alumni members have been at the head of those particular uh, reforms, the the head of the Connecticut work is Sam Tracy in New Jersey. Evan Neeson is tremendously involved there. In New York, we, the the program there is rife with SSDPers. And in Maryland, we've got Rochelle Young and others who are working on that on that uh, legalization and, and on implementation. Nice. So again, that leader, coming back to that leadership pipeline and the incredible people who... Uh, who come together to do the work, and then many of them, of course, enter the cannabis industry itself. Um, we're working on a federal policy agenda, which includes a lot of the same priorities that uh, that NCIA is working on, mm-hmm. um, including, of course, 280E reform, banking, and the rest of it. But most of our um, energy at the federal level is around the Marijuana Justice Act and um, you know moving those sorts of progressive um Progressive in terms of marijuana policy, not necessarily progressive politically. Uh, we are a, a multi-ideological, nonpartisan organization, but moving, progressing that that marijuana policy reform as fast as we can and as well as we can at the federal level. Mm-hmm. We're working on equity. Um, you know, making sure that the cannabis industry is, um, you know, uh, represents the the breadth of people impacted by cannabis prohibition, um, and that's going to include, you know. Uh, helping implement programs in various states, um, working on lobbying and, uh, you know, with our friends over at the Minority Cannabis Business Association, which is another place that's just crawling with SSDP alumni, which awesome. is wonderful. Yeah. We've got people working on expungement um, in places where that is now available to us. Golden Gate University in California is a great example. They've been hosting expungement fairs um, and helping to expunge the records of hundreds of people 
who have been charged with marijuana crimes in the past. Uh, can I expunge? Uh, can I expunge.com is a website where people can learn about whether or not they're eligible for expungement and connect to lawyers who are doing expungement, um, built and run by an SSDP uh, board member who's uh, who's recently who was recently a student. Um, wow. We've got SSDPers all over the place and working on all different pieces of. You know, whether it be the legalization or medical use initiatives themselves, um, implementation once it's done, or within the cannabis industry working on research or on, um, you know, in uh, the facilities themselves or whatever it might be, um, they're everywhere. Wow. Wow, really impressive. You've got, you've, I was going to say a small army, but it's actually a regular sized army. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> so as you were mentioning about your amazing leadership pipeline and how many people when they're in college that are involved in SSDP do in fact go on to become the leaders, the movers, the shakers in the cannabis industry now. And and I know many of those people and have known them for 10, 15 years. So uh, I'm sure between the two of us, we can think of a few of those individuals that people listening to this podcast might recognize. Uh, what, what are some of the top people, I think, out there? Yeah, well, I think the names that are going to be most recognizable for uh, listeners are folks like Evan Neeson, who runs Neeson Co. PR and is heavily involved in Whoopi and Maya. We've got Chris Crane, who's been in the industry for ages and runs Forefront, uh, which is one of the most successful uh, consulting firms um, in you know in the nation and also globally. They're they're doing work beyond our borders. Uh, Troy Dayton, who's the founder and CEO of the Arcview Group, is one of our founders along with Chris Crane and Amanda Ryman. In fact, mm-hmm. um, Amanda is one of the uh, earliest cannabis researchers. She was a professor at Berkeley and has now entered the inter- industry working with Flo Kana, but really started. Um, started making the case for how cannabis might be an appropriate exit drug um, or substitution drug for people who are struggling with a chaotic relationship with opioids. Um, you know, if it weren't for Amanda, I don't know where that work might be today. And then Shalene Title, the commish. Uh, Shalene is the uh, is one of the members of the Massachusetts Cannabis Commission, um, one of five people selected to conduct implementation, and her work there has been nothing short of inspirational. She's really doing an extraordinary job of, you know, holding the line for the values of our movement um, as the as this work as you know the work gets implemented in Massachusetts. And yes, it's slow. Yes, it's frustrating. I know that a lot of people listening are are wondering when things are going to really start moving in Massachusetts. But, um, you know, we this implementation is tough, and I'm really glad that we've got smart people like Shalene who are who have their fingers deep in it. So those are just a handful of our uh, alumni members who are involved in the cannabis space. Oh, gosh, how could I? How could I possibly not mention um, Brooke and Brian Gilbert, who are NCIA staffers? Um, we've got Andrew Livingston and Josh Kappel, two of the brightest minds over at Vicente Cedarburg. Uh, you know, just you can look almost anywhere in the industry and you're going to find one of us. Oh, Tom Angel, who's now oh, one yes. of the leading marijuana journalists. God, of the course. list goes on. And, and many, many more to come, thanks to your leadership. So we're going to take one more commercial break, and then we'll come back and wrap up our chat with Betty Aldworth from Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Don't go away. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
Mountain available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches. Premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Retail sales of medical and recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit 8 to $10 billion. Are you ready to invest in the fastest growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including healthcare, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. For more information, go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're speaking with Betty Aldworth from Students for Sensible Drug Policy and learning all about the work that SSDP is doing in the United States and now around the world as they've expanded. Um, So... Let's say somebody's not a student, uh, but they do want to somehow get involved in SSDP, support your work. How how might an established company, for example, uh, of adults, get involved and support this kind of work? I think first and foremost, Bethany, um, we need to focus on the opioid crisis, on the overdose crisis. Mm-hmm. Um you know, not directly supporting SSDP, but absolutely everybody out there ought to be educating their community about the importance of carrying naloxone and the benefits of safe consumption facilities. Um, we're really pushing hard on harm reduction approaches here. And you can co- contact your local SSDP chapter. They can almost certainly um, connect or conduct a naloxone training and come talk to your folks about safe consumption facilities and how important they are. Mm. You can sign up for a mailing list, respond to action alerts, and keep an eye out for local events. You don't have to be a student um, to use our advocacy tools. We hope that people will will do that um, and stay connected to our work that way. Keep an eye out for events, and um, that's, a, that's a big thing for us. Uh, we have loads of them. You can join. You can actually join a local chapter, as it turns out, as long as you're willing to, you know, participate in a youth-led effort and keep it youth-led. Grown-ups of any age are welcome to uh, to join a chapter. Check oh, out our cool. resources. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
You can check out our online resources, which are valuable advocacy tools for advocates of any age. Um, you don't have to be a student in order to use them. And then, of course, right now, we are celebrating our 20th birthday. Uh, we yay. were founded, yay. <laughs> founded in 1998. We're um, super excited to be 20 in um, on October 1st, in fact. And you can go to party.ssdp.org to find or host a party near you, uh, to make a gift in celebration of our 20th birthday, um, or to learn a little bit more about our history. So I hope that folks will check that out. Awesome. Great. Oh, yeah. Congrats so much on 20 years of of an organization like SSDP and, and all the work that, that the organization's achieved over the years. So at this point, is, is there anything coming down the pipeline in the future, new initiatives or something you'd like to launch that you could share with us? Well, I'm just so excited right now about the work around this uh, this particular election. We are doing an on-the-record campaign where we're asking candidates tough questions about the positions that they're going to take on marijuana policy reform and, and addressing the opioid crisis. We are working super hard to make sure that you know we're keeping them accountable. We're part of that accountability mechanism. Um, for those who are elected. Um, and of course, we have these four initiatives happening in different states. Um, we also are working hard on that statewide work, um, you know, whether that be at the, you know, in Connecticut or, or New Jersey or New York on marijuana policy reform, or in states um, who, like California, are trying to pass initiatives for safe consumption facilities. That Those are some of the biggies for us um, as an organization. We also have have, of course, lots of really exciting things that will be coming off of campuses and uh, things that will be happening there. Um, so heavy focus on the election right now, on hosting some regional conferences this year, and on making sure that we can really have an impact uh, so that in 2020, 2019 and 2020, uh, we can continue the momentum toward a saner, more sensible drug policy overall. Fantastic. Looking, yeah, this this election cycle is uh, another big one. It's like every year there's more and more states either pushing to decriminalize or implement medical marijuana programs of some kind or, in fact, uh, legalize for adults. And it's super inspiring to watch all the progress the last few years. So um, if you're in a state that does not have legal cannabis, get involved. Ask your candidates where they stand on these issues right like Absolutely. really get in there ask them what's going on <laughs> um, and ask them in public and record it and then send it to the newspaper <laughs> yeah good tips I mean and, and that begs the question back to being involved in organizations like SSDP and NCIA how important it is to advocate for a person like yourself that's dedicated your your life to advocacy and other people who out who are out there that might be shy or maybe don't think they can make a difference I think between the two of us and many others listening everybody can make a difference and that's why it's important to be involved uh, and to lobby at the state level the local level and of course like NCIA to lobby at the federal level to make larger uh, federal changes to end this draconian prohibition against marijuana uh, can you speak more to you know the importance of being an advocate and not being afraid to jump in there and get involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that people are oftentimes intimidated by the idea of contacting their elected officials, and that's 
like I don't want to diminish that, but it's silly. <laughs> you know, it is so easy to pick up the phone and you're going to, you know, get a staffer on the line and you're going to tell them what you think and they're going to mark your number down and they're going to indicate, you know, to uh, the legislative director and the elected that, you know, somebody feels this way. Um, you know, and so that's a really um, easy way to just make sure that your voice is part of what is being heard because I promise you that people who are opposed to us are being heard very, very, very loudly. And if you're ready to take the next step after you've done that a handful of times, find a buddy through NCIA who's been to lobby day. Go lobby the local office. There are local offices very near you. You don't have to come to D.C. to do that. Just go find your local office. I'm sure that that your elected officials in D.C. are going to have one nearby. Walk in with NCIA's federal policy agenda. Be able to tell your story about how you're contributing to the local economy as a vibrant and you know, community-oriented, responsible business and make sure that they are prepared to support businesses um, who are such an important vector for reform in this work. Um, we need you <laughs> to be doing that. I mean, listen, healthcare has is probably going to spend $300 million lobbying in D.C. this year. Yep. $300 million. And I promise you that you know the the money that is spent in DC on cannabis policy reform might not even be a tenth or excuse me a one percent of that. Um, we need to make sure that our voices are heard, and a lot of that comes down to people picking up the phone and making a call, making sure that they're members of NCIA, making sure that they're giving to the various funds that are are pushing these these policies forward because, you know, it, when, when you've got a $300 million bucket that you're going up against, not to mention private prisons, alcohol, and other industries that, are, you know, might not have the interests aligned with ours, um, yeah. when, when you're looking at a bucket that big, the, you know, like couple million that might be spent between private and, um, you know, nonprofit advocates uh, on lobbying in D.C., is not much of a drop and we've got to make sure that our voices are really heard so you know I, I worked for NCA because I believe it because I know how powerful it is I, I've seen it with my own eyes when uh, you know apartheid fell in South Africa when um, you know the nuclear treaty was signed it, you know both of those things happened in the 90s when I was a teenage advocate those were issues that I was involved with and I got to be a part of it you all get to be a part of ending marijuana prohibition which is a incredibly gross violation of human rights we're starting to see it spread all over the world and in places like South Africa where just two years ago my colleagues were documenting eradication efforts where people were where pe- people's babies were literally getting sprayed in po- with poisons in the field mm. but now we have a court decision that is allowing for personal private use um, and perhaps even eventually some legal and regulated marijuana in South Africa of all places we can really make that difference and I hope that folks will do so Yes, agreed. And you're right. Uh, those other industries have a lot more zeros than than we do. Uh, but, you know, NCI is super happy to have a mutually supportive relationship with SSDP. Uh, so we're excited to have you. And if anyone wants more information about Students for Sensible Drug Policy, go to ssdp.org. And we have run out of time, but thank you so much for joining me today, Betty. This was a a really great talk and I think really informative for everyone who is listening. Thanks for being on the show. Always a pleasure, Bethany. Thank you so much. 
All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. 